This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast on this Friday, November the 4th, just four days away from the midterm elections. We got a beautiful sunrise this morning. It's blue skies and it's going to get up into the 70s today. We're loving it here in this great Midwest in the fall, best time of the year. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Firm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. These are your top five headlines as we close in on the November 8th elections. Let's start off with headline number five. Twitter began mass layoffs. From the National Review, mass layoffs are set to begin at Twitter on Friday, just over a week after billionaire Elon Musk officially took control of the company. Roughly half of Twitter's 7,500 employees are likely to lose their jobs. The layoffs are expected to target the sales, trust, and safety, marketing, product, engineering, and legal teams. From NBC News, according to the email from Twitter, staff members will get a notice either through their company email if they still have a job or their personal email if their employment is impacted. The company said that the staffing reduction is being done in an effort to place Twitter on a healthy path. Okay, well, Elon Musk is in control of the company now. He is the the single owner. He can make all the decisions, and whatever he decides to do is his business and his business alone. doesn't matter what the media says. doesn't matter how they condemn him as a target. stands for free speech. He stands for making Twitter very uh, business efficient, get rid of all the bloat, all those pink-haired, far-left young people, liberals that are out there censoring speech, looking closely at each and every tweet and deciding, well, this one stays, uh, that one goes. Good riddance to all those employees that can now go out into the real world and find a real job where they're doing something that's productive for society and something that allows for them to develop their character. All right, headline number four, climate change activist Greta Thunberg targets capitalism. From the town hall, climate change activist Greta Thunberg, who has been propped up by global elites and central planners since she was a child, is finally admitting her activism isn't about saving the environment. Instead, it's about tearing down capitalism and implementing communist government-controlled systems around the world. Michael Schellenberger, in fact, the whole capitalist system has allowed for average life expectancy of humans to rise from 30 to 70 years of age. So this is uh, child abuse. You know, this is uh, someone that obviously has, she's either autistic or she's not really in control of her capacity to make decisions. She's being used as a useful idiot by the globalists, by those that have an agenda the Klaus Schwabs of the world that have the Great Reset in mind to bring the nation around the world under the control of the global elitists. This is really what it's all about. 
They're just using her as a useful idiot to promote their globalist agenda. That's exactly what's going on here. So understand what it is, where it's coming from, and that it has really no bearing on how we think about how our country is the greatest country that's ever been implemented as the great American ideal. All right, headline number three. MSNBC historian suggests if GOP win midterms, children will be arrested and conceivably killed. From the town hall, presidential historian Michael Beschloff lost his mind during an interview on MSNBC Thursday afternoon, claiming Republican victories mean the end of democracy and the ability to record current events. He then went into dark accusations of kidnapping and child murder. Steve Hilton, MSNBC presidential historian Michael Beschloss, if Republicans win, our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. Yes, he really said this. This mad inflammatory rhetoric from the left has to stop. Town Hall, MSNBC historian claims that children will be arrested or killed if Democrats lose elections. Interactive polls, Republicans hold four-point lead on congressional ballot Republicans 51%, R plus 4, Democrats 47%. All right, so the left is uh, losing their minds. Their ideology is collapsing right before them. They thought that they had everything under control, that they were going to rule the world with their ideology, their socialist, wokeism, all the things that we everybody has seen. And now they're seeing that there's a complete repudiation, complete pushback, and there's going to be a democratic suppository that they're going to experience on November the 8th as the American people have woken up and realized that it's time to make a decision which way they want to go, and they're choosing to reject the democratic ideas, their ideologies. They see it. It's not what they want, and it's going to be a red tsunami on November the 8th. When they wake up on November the 9th, it's going to be even more extreme reactions like we see with Beschloss, who has gone mad and lost his mind. All right, headline number two. Women favor GOP by 15% according to poll. From the Wall Street Journal, white suburban women, a key group of midterm voters, have significantly shifted their support from Democrats to Republicans in the closing days of midterm campaigning because of rising concerns over the economy and inflation. The survey found that they favor Republicans in congressional races by 15 percentage points. That represented a substantial shift in recent weeks among a group that makes up 20 percent of the electorate. In the Journal's August poll, white suburban women favored Democrats by 12 percentage points. From the Daily Wire, white suburban women are joining blacks and Hispanic voters who are moving to the GOP amid skyrocketing gas and food prices and soaring crime rates across the country. Okay, so as we close in on uh, the election of November the 8th, just uh, four days away, we're seeing the, uh, the big shift. This is when the election really happens within the last week or so. This is when people make their decisions. They've weighed their their viewpoints from both sides. They see that the Democrats have empty ideas. They, they can't bring anything to the table. They only talk about topics that are at the bottom of the list 
of concerns like 10 and below. And the Republicans are talking about the three major concerns. Number one is the economy and inflation. Number two is crime and the increasing crime in cities. And number three is immigration and open borders. Those three things, that's what the concerns are for the American people. And that's what the Republicans are talking about. And the Democrats are completely silent on these issues. And that's why it's going to be a tsunami red wave. Just make sure everybody gets out and votes in four days. Bring a friend. Make sure you do your civic duty because the future of the country depends on it. All right, headline number one. Biden only condemns political violence when committed by Republicans. Spencer Brown, in Wednesday's White House press briefing, Corrine Jean-Pierre claimed that President Joe Biden has always condemned political violence, but as usual, the White House's blanket statements are incongruent with the reality of Biden's previous statements. In this case, it's how Biden addressed the rampant political violence carried out by radical Antifa rioters who destroyed American cities, gutted small businesses, and assaulted federal buildings. Town Hall, KJP Today, Biden has always condemned political violence. Biden in 2020, Antifa is an idea, not an organization, not malicious. Axios, the vandalism and looting following the death of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police will cost the insurance industry more than any other violent demonstrations in recent history. The arson, vandalism, and looting that did occur will result in at least $1 billion to $2 billion of paid insurance claims. So everything is political. Joe Biden is, is all about politics. I mean, he just points fingers at everybody else. He doesn't take any responsibility. It's all just the Republicans. It's the MAGA extremists. Everything he does is blame others. He's uh, the most despicable of all politicians I think we've ever seen. He's not at all coherent. He's been always on the wrong side of foreign policy for the past 40 years in, in office, and he just, he just doesn't get it. He's not in touch with any, anyone. He's not in touch with the American people. All of his statements are mumbling, bumbling nonsense. You know, we just can't uh, continue this way. We have to make some, some steps, some actions. He was the wrong choice. The Democrats made a big mistake when they elected Joe Biden. And uh, we're going to see a repudiation here on uh, November the 8th. It's obvious that the violence was, has been on the left. You had just one incident, which wasn't really clearly vetted yet, and that's the January 6th, with that who started that. There's a lot of concerns that Antifa were the instigators, a lot of Trojan horses going on there. Maybe the feds were involved. We don't know yet because there hasn't been a real true committee that has dug in deeply to find out exactly what was behind J6. And hopefully that will come out when the uh, Republicans take the uh, Congress and real committee hearings can take place, not the uh, sham show, the clown show that Nancy Pelosi put on. Political violence, yeah, it's on the left, BLM, Antifa. They're the ones that destroyed cities and minority cities all across the country, and that's why the minorities are moving away from the Democratic Party because they see very clearly exactly what's going on. All right, those are your top five headlines for this Friday morning, four days out from the midterm elections. I want to leave you with another snippet, Ronald Reagan's speech. Let's be inspired to hear his words and remember what America is all about. Ladies and gentlemen, we take pride in presenting a thoughtful address by Ronald Reagan. 
Mr. Reagan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you and good evening. The sponsor has been identified, but unlike most television programs, the performer hasn't been provided with a script. As a matter of fact, I have been permitted to choose my own words and discuss my own ideas regarding the choice that we face in the next few weeks. I have spent most of my life as a Democrat. I recently have seen fit to follow another course. I believe that the issues confronting us cross party lines. Now, one side in this campaign has been telling us that the issues of this election are the maintenance of peace and prosperity. The line has been used, we've never had it so good. But I have an uncomfortable feeling that this prosperity isn't something on which we can base our hopes for the future. No nation in history has ever survived a tax burden that reached a third of its earned in this country as the tax collector's share. And yet our government continues to spend $17 million a day more than the government takes in. We haven't balanced our budget 28 out of the last 34 years. We've raised our debt limit three times in the last 12 months. And now our national debt is one and a half times bigger than all the combined debts of all the nations of the world. We have $15 billion in gold in our treasury. We don't own an ounce. Foreign dollar claims are $27.3 billion. And we've just had announced that the dollar of 1939 will now purchase 45 cents in its total value. As for the peace that we would preserve, I wonder who among us would like to approach the wife or mother whose husband or son has died in South Vietnam and ask them if they think this is a peace that should be maintained indefinitely. Do they mean peace or do they mean we just want to be left in peace? There can be no real peace while one American is dying someplace in the world for the rest of us. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Man's old, old age dream, the ultimate in individual freedom consistent with law and order, or down to the ant heap of totalitarianism. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. In this vote harvesting time, they use terms like the great society, 
Or, as we were told a few days ago by the president, we must accept a greater government activity in the affairs of the people. But they've been a little more explicit in the past. And among themselves, and all of the things I now will quote have appeared in print, these are not Republican accusations. For example, they have voices that say, the Cold War will end through our acceptance of a not undemocratic socialism. Another voice says the profit motive has become outmoded. It must be replaced by the incentives of the welfare state. Or our traditional system of individual freedom is incapable of solving the complex problems of the 20th century. Senator Fulbright has said at Stanford University that the Constitution is outmoded. He referred to the president as our moral teacher and our leader. And he says he is hobbled in his task by the restrictions of power imposed on him by this antiquated document. He must be freed so that he can do for us what he knows is best. And Senator Clark of Pennsylvania, another articulate spokesman, defines liberalism as meeting the material needs of the masses through the full power of centralized government. Well, I for one resent it when a representative of the people refers to you and me, the free men and women of this country, as the masses. This is a term we haven't applied to ourselves in America. But beyond that, the full power of centralized government. This was the very thing the Founding Fathers sought to minimize. They knew that governments don't control things. A government can't control the economy without controlling people. And they know when a government sets out to do that, it must use force and coercion to achieve its purpose. They also knew, those Founding Fathers, that outside of its legitimate functions, government does nothing as well or as economically as the private sector of the economy. Okay, so there is uh, Ronald Reagan in his own words, and it sounds very apropos for uh, 2022, I believe. Everything he's talking about is the same fight that we have today that he had back then, and we can see the difference in the ideologies between the Democrats and the Republicans, one that wants more government control and one that wants more individual freedoms, which our founding fathers founded this nation on. And so it's a choice that we all have to make. And I hope that we all choose correctly in four days because really the future of our nation depends upon the choices that we make at the ballot box. So please prayerfully think, please prayerfully consider these words, and please make sure you take the time to go out and vote on November the 8th. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be out campaigning this weekend. I hope you can also take some time to help support someone locally that's running for office. And we'll see you next Monday on the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. God bless you, and we'll see you next Monday. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great, and we affirm it. 